Welcome to Future Charlotte, the podcast where we talk to the people who are shaping the future of our city. I'm your host, Eli Portillo. Our guests today are Kiba Samuel and Phil Gussman of the Charlotte-Mecklenburg Planning Commission. Thank you both for joining today. Thank you. Thank you for having us back, Eli. So the last time we spoke, it was, uh, I don't know, a little before early spring. The 2040 plan had not passed. We were still talking about single family zoning and what was in the plan and uh, what was likely to happen. And fast forward to where we are now and the plan passed city council. We are now in the next phase of it. And I just kind of want to set the stage and really help people understand where we are in this process, what's going on, and what happens next. Uh, And I will freely confess that, you know, I'm someone who watches city council meetings and tries to follow all this stuff. And it it can be, uh, it can be challenging even for me. So uh, Kiba, why don't we start with you? Can you just kind of lay out where we are in the process, what's happened and what's happening now? Sure. Thank you so much um, for the opportunity to bring this back to you. Um, So in June of 2021, the Charlotte City Council, by way of recommendation from the planning committee of the Charlotte Mecklenburg Planning Commission, uh, they adopted the 2040 Comprehensive Plan. Um, What we have before us now in October of 2021 is uh, policy mapping. And policy mapping is really Uh, one of the first things that has to be solidified as part of the UDO, I'm sorry, as part of the 2040 Comprehensive Plan adoption. It's really what sets the tone for everything else that happens. So it's the first step into putting the 2040 plan into action, so to speak. Um, Currently underway, we have the uh, very, I I call it kind of intense community engagement session um, right now where we're trying to gather input from uh, neighborhoods all across the city and so that they can provide feedback on what they would like for uh, development in their neighborhoods to look like. So there are 15 specifically defined geographic areas and the planning department is spearheading the engagement uh, sessions here, these uh, virtual community conversations where they're asking residents to provide input Um, and really provide their preferences for what development looks like in their neighborhoods. Uh, The engagement sessions, I believe they started on the 13th of October. They run through November 9th um, in terms of this phase. So they're they're basing their feedback on the first iteration of the policy map and the streets map. After this round of engagement, we move to the second draft where there is another community engagement session that will begin after the release of the second draft, which we anticipate to be sometime in November. Um, And then we hope to move to adoption of a policy map by February 2022. So those are our next steps. As uh, everybody is also aware, probably the UDO, which is uh, a a really the the bright, shiny penny, I guess, of all of this. Um, The first draft of it was released, if I'm not mistaken, about a week and a half ago. And that 620-page document, um, the the community engagement session is also kind of overlapping policy mapping engagement. So those efforts are also underway. And the UDO, um, if everything goes as planned, will be up for adoption by the beginning of July 2022. So we've got the UDO, the Unified Development Ordinance, that's going to 
uh, really kind of set the rules of the road for development going forward in Charlotte once it's adopted. Um, can you and uh, Phil jump in here, maybe help us understand really what's the difference between all these different things? What's the difference between the policy map, the streets map, the unified development ordinance and, uh, and the 2040 plan itself? Absolutely. No. It, and, and I would say that this has come up on a number of these conversations already at this point, because meanwhile, Katz is also working on silver line alignment. And so neighborhoods impacted by that are going, I already sat through a city meeting. Why isn't that being taken into consideration? And it's a fair point. Um, so to kind of wrap it up, the policy map is the mapping component of our UDO, essentially. So the UDO is a set of rules and regulations and how far away from the ground, from the street do you plant the tree? How far away is your house? How far away is that building? What's that building shaped like maybe even? But it doesn't say where that goes. And so our policy mapping is the start of the process through these iterations of these multiple drafts that Kiba mentioned to refine down what it is we're going to put where in our city. So our staff has done a great job, I think, of jumping in and trying to put together these initial draft maps. And they've done a good job taking into consideration what's currently on the ground, what's part of our current land use maps, which is what the policy map is replacing from our old system. So when sometimes it would come up during rezonings or something that the policy, I mean, the land use map shows that this should be X, that's that, um, as well as trying to take into consideration some of the principles of our, of, of the comprehensive plan, which we passed, such as 10 minute neighborhoods. So maybe we don't need to, uh, maybe we need to designate some things as activity centers that before were just corner stores or a little more than that, a few corner stores perhaps clumped together. And that's why, and as we were talking last, what, six, eight months ago, one of the things I said was the hard part's gonna be is doing this mapping. And we're here and we're doing it. And because of COVID, we're not sitting around the map that I told people eight months ago, I really wanted to sit around a map with you and look at your neighborhood and decide where things go. But we've got a pretty good system, I think, come, we've come up with through these community conversations. And as we move through the process, I hope that we have a, and well, and we do, we have a few events scheduled in person. Um, and every library is going to have access to these maps for people who can't get online, for example. But this is the time when you look at your neighborhood and the, you notice that the down the, the corner store on the big major thoroughfare is still indicated to be uh, a commercial, even though it's surrounded by residential and it serves as one of those key uh, service providers probably for 10 minute neighborhood. Well, that probably shouldn't be a commercial center, which indicates automotive centered uses. So that is one of the key elements that we'll be working through in this part of the mapping process. I mean, along with that and sorting out the, historically, a lot of our parks haven't been particularly zoned as a park or anything. They're still sitting as a residential and R3 or whatever zoning. 
And that's fine. It hasn't been a problem. But theoretically, we really should probably get that sorted out and start treating those properties as they need to be and helping highlight in all of our mapping efforts and everything where and when and how our parks are so we can better define how we can get more and where we need more. So this is part of the process of moving from the abstract higher level principles that are approved in the 2040 plan to real on the ground. Here's what goes where, here's what's developed where, and then you know the unified development ordinance will be more, here's what it looks like, here's exactly how uh, dense it can be, et cetera. Here are the exact rules for that. Correct. Very, yeah. And of course, you're, you're great at this. So thank you for summing that up much more succinctly than I. <laughs> no, that's okay. I, I, got, uh, I got the benefit of you telling me everything. So that always <laughs> helps. And to circle back, or to, just to add to that, um, the policy map, although it will not dictate or rezone your house or place of business, um, it will assign your house or place of business a specific place type. And um, for those who have been in the weeds in this before are familiar with place types, place types then get and are already baked into the UDO. And so when that place type information gets funneled into the UDO, at some point, policy map and the zoning map will be aligned. So although, again, the, the policy map itself will not change the zoning of your home or business, it will inform how uh, or what type of land use gets assigned to your particular place of business or your home in the UDO. So the UDO is what can legally or uh, in terms of uh, regulations for development, the UDO dictates what that looks like, but the, the policy map informs the UDO. So you can't get to the UDO, the UDO can't be finished without finalizing first the policy map. I just wanna stress those two things. Excellent point. <laughs> yeah, so it's, um, I think we've been hearing that a lot lately. Hey, this doesn't change the zoning, this doesn't uh, do anything yet. But as you point out, this isn't just an academic exercise. This is going to uh, inform and set the stage for the Unified Development Ordinance and the actual concrete changes coming down the line. You know, we're not just uh, doing this for fun. Exactly. So, and to relate all of that back to the comp plan, as you said, the comp plan is the big umbrella. It's the vision that uh, the city and planning commission said, hey, we want our city to look like this, but the UDO is how you get there. Policy map goes into the UDO. So it, the, the policy map is really the foundation of the whole, the whole shebang. And so and we're taking the opportunity to, as we do the policy map, we are taking the opportunity to collect data on the streets map, which is hand in glove with honestly how we develop anyway. And I've said on some of these community meetings, I've seen a number of people point out that such and such road isn't that, but it is good to know that if it's that on the policy map, on the streets map, pardon me, that we are working towards getting it to be that four lane road that it isn't yet, for example. And that's all part of the same co online commenting application and everything. So you can, if, if you're paying close attention, you'll notice that you can also comment on roads as well as any particular location. And with um, the first drafts out there, uh, what have you started to hear? What's the, uh, what's the feedback been like? And 
uh, I guess more broadly, are you finding uh, are you finding people involved and wanting to wanting to be involved, or are they kind of uh, planned out? Well, we we definitely need more people involved in this part. I think a lot of people are starting to feel somewhere of this process, um, and it's a shame because this is the point where we can make a lot of real impact in our communities. Um, so we really need uh, anybody who's ever felt that they're they're the, what's going in on and around them wasn't best for their area. We need them to be, to be participating. Anyone who's committed to uh, participating in the, the land use decisions in their community, they need to be participating at this point. It's, it's essential. And I think as um, in some earlier conversations this week, Eli, as you know, I have expressed some concern about um, the lack of participation that we're getting from um, our Charlotte residents. And uh, we're, we're kind of afraid that as we get to adoption of the policy map, that what happened to the 2040 plan will happen now with the policy map. You know, as the 2040 plan was out for six, seven, eight months before it made the local news in terms of council members not agreeing with what's in it and wanting to make changes, et cetera. So I think that council plays a big part in what their constituents pay attention to. I think county commission plays a big part in terms of what their constituents pay attention to. And I think the media plays a part in what Charlotte residents pay attention to. So I've reached out to a couple of different outlets and um, partners throughout this engagement process to uh, encourage them to help us get the word out. But we are definitely needing, as Phil pointed out, some additional feedback so that we make sure every voice is heard. Everybody has a chance right now to have a say in what development looks like in their communities. And it is through this process that it will probably matter the most. I think that is missed by a lot of people because with all the hoopla that went on with the 2040 plan, everyone thought, oh, we adopted that, now we're done. We can move on to something else like redistricting or the silver line, but it's not done. That was really the first step. This is getting down to the nitty gritty, really getting into the woods and um, into the weeds in terms of solidifying a good foundation. And I think that, um, you know, that's a, a good segue to this kind of very broad question, but I always like to bring this up when we're talking about more abstract things like zoning and land use for someone who's just a really casual follower of this and you've already hinted at this some but wh why does it matter why does why do they need to be involved right now why do people who care about land use need to be involved right now and not just uh you know the next time there's a rezoning down the street or whatever trigger it might be for people uh to really you know start paying close attention to their neighborhood I think if nothing else, this is the a great opportunity to highlight any, any need of your community. So on the highest level, as we're doing this, even if you're looking at the map and you just say, hey, your, your maps indicate that there is a lack of services being provided to this portion of our part of the city, it would be very helpful, I think, to highlight, hey, to, to our planning staff as we're doing the mapping, hey, we need to find some area here where we can get neighborhood services provided, where we can get either some stores, maybe it's a grocery, maybe it's, uh, uh, you know, 
jobs, heck. I mean, all of those things are things we can potentially encourage with this policy map. If we look at the center, and I'm going to just look at a neighborhood that is very large and has no commercial service or, pardon me, retail available to it except for a drive away, that's not a 10-minute neighborhood. And so this would be a great opportunity to highlight these are the areas where we think as people on the ground who live here that we could see these services being provided, these jobs being created. Um, because while we can't automatically zap in a grocery store, what we can do is we can identify an area as needing uh, to be a neighborhood activity center. And that neighborhood activity center could become, if we put it on a map, developers have a tendency to look at those maps and they might show up and go, oh, you mean it won't be a hard rezoning potentially to move into this area? Well, that's something that they would take into consideration. Um, if you have uh, a preference, if you have a preference, if I have a preference um, to uh, communicate in terms of what I want to see built next to my neighborhood or 10 minutes away from my neighborhood or within a 10 minute circle of my neighborhood, I get to tell that to city staff right now today. I get to say, hey, I don't want institutional uses next to my community, or hey, I need a regional activity center closest to my, closer to my home, or we're missing essential services closer to my neighborhood. Please put these here. City staff is listening. They're wanting, they're, they're soliciting that feedback now. If enough people make those preferences, again, the place type that will be assigned like I said, those preferences will inform the place type that is assigned to every single property in the city of Charlotte. And once those place types are assigned to these properties, those place types then inform our zoning map in the UDO. I can't stress that enough. You have a chance to voice what you prefer to be built in and around your neighborhood, in and around your city. And this is the time to submit that feedback. And I think... Um... In covering land use and zoning, in um, in watching all these processes play out, I think that a lot of times there is a tendency to always frame things in terms of conflict. And you know, this group wants X, this neighborhood doesn't want it. They're fighting it. City councils fighting over a rezoning, etc. And this is a chance to really. I don't think head off those conflicts because you're probably not going to do that. People will always have some conflicts when there's change in their neighborhood, but this is a chance to engage in, um, in a constructive part of the process. I think, you know, this is a chance to engage with, uh, with a plan, not in the context of, Hey, we're, we're fighting the new drive-through coming in. Um, and I think that that's, something worth highlighting because a lot of times we really do reduce the land use dialogue to a framing of just conflict one group versus another neighborhood versus developer etc cetera, etc cetera. So, so often so often we end up there and you're absolutely correct generally these conversations have been very uh collaborative um making sure staff understands what it is that the our community members are saying and what exactly they're asking for. So once this is all done, then we'll get to the UDO. And then at some point, 
zoning and what's on the ground now will come into alignment with the new plan and be brought into alignment um, with everything we're doing now. I also think, going back to what I said earlier, if more people are engaged now, there's likely to be less conflict at that stage, because I could easily see that becoming a point in the process where people suddenly wake up and go, wait a second, you're actually rezoning this this thing in my neighborhood? What the? Right, right. So so these uh, the work that's being done now, like you said, once we get to a point to where, okay, all of that's been approved by city council, we, we got the feedback from the public, everybody participated in the engagement process, we got their feedback, we've kind of baked it in here or there where it makes sense. And here's what we're presenting to council. It then goes to planning committee. Planning committee will likely recommend uh, approval by council. Council adopts. And then, like you said, once that alignment starts to happen, we don't want the upsets. We don't want the feedback at that point. It is now that you submit that feedback so that we can have less conflict at that point, less upset at that point. Um, We are trying desperately to get as many people engaged in this process today so that that doesn't happen because uh, you're, you're, you're talking about um, if we get to that point and we're talking in a year or two from now where we are now putting this on the ground, it, it's real. This is what it is now. And people begin to express concern at that point. Um, again, based on what council might be um, willing to uh, bend or not, we might be backing up some of Um, what we're doing today when it's more efficient, more effective to have those conversations now so that we can resolve um, some of those differences and conflicts that may arise later on. So it's very important that people get engaged now. We want to hear that now. We want to, um, we want everybody to have a chance to have a say. I know in the uh, 2040 plan discussion, really, you know, duplexes, triplexes, single family zoning, was seemed to be the kind of flashpoint that uh, people coalesced around most visibly. Um, as you're getting feedback now and you're starting to see what people are looking at uh, with the policy map, are you, are you hearing concerns around that specifically or uh, are you talking about other things? What, is, what does that look like now uh, a few months after the adoption of the 2040 plan? I think if we're looking at this six months from now, we're trying to, and, and we reflect on what was the flashpoint or points of the policy map process. I think uh, what is, uh, what I'm curious about is how many people are saying, hey, I don't want manufacturing logistics in, the, in my neighborhood. Who's going to want manufacturing logistics in their neighborhood? All of the survey results have come back and everyone is saying, I don't want that in my neighborhood. So now, the onus is on city and, and council on where that type of uh, zoning or development might go. Right now, I think that a lot of people feel that manufacturing logistics uh, developments are primarily in District 2 for city council and District 3 primarily. There's a little bit in District 4, but um, you hear as you listen to different city council meetings that it's it's unfairly, uh, it, the, the weight of that type of development is unfairly distributed primarily into district three. How do you kind of spread the, the impact or spread the wealth when it comes to manufacturing logistics uh, development will be interesting. Uh, it will be interesting for staff to come to us with some solutions on how to resolve some of that feedback. Um, I think that will be a good, good flashpoint to kind of track. Um, yeah. And you know, everyone uh, 
might not want a logistics center in their neighborhood, but everybody sure loves that next day or same day prime delivery. Yes. Yes. So how do you kind of balance that? Where does it go? Um, and, and, you know, that obviously manufacturing logistics, um, a lot of people associate um, negatively impacts on climate and things of that nature. So it's kind of a double whammy. We don't want manufacturing logistics because we want a better quality or better air quality or better transportation infrastructure. So it, it, people tend to, to associate that type of development um, with a negative connotation most times because of what it's tagged with. So it'd be interesting to see what staff comes up in terms of resolving some of that um, feedback. Well, let's get concrete and um, tell people how they can get involved here. We're going to post all these links in the show description. So if you are listening to this, you can find uh, all the resources you need to linked right there. But how can people get involved? Where do they need to be looking? And what can they do to make sure that they have a voice in this process? Very good question. And I'm glad, so glad, Eli, that we have a partner in you and you're willing to put forth this information to public. So the best thing about all of the processes that we're talking about here, whether it's the UDO, the policy map, the comp plan, it's found on one website, really. And that's charlottefuture2040.com, C-L-T-F-U-T-U-R-E 2040.com. You can find information on policy map, um, the UDO, and the comp plan under that one website. You can get to ways, uh, you can navigate uh, to comment sections, you can uh, fill in comment cards. You can also email charlottefuture2040 at charlottenc.gov. That email address again is cltfutur2040 at charlottenc.gov. Um, and those are probably the most uh, commonly used ways to submit feedback. However, for those who don't have um, or are not tech savvy, uh, there are mailing cards that can be found in your local libraries there that you can fill out and mail in to the city staff. And Phil, okay. did I? The only thing I would say is if you dive a little bit deeper into CLT Future 2040, that you'll find that if you scroll to the bottom right now, that we have all of these community conversations open, you can connect to and, and, and quote unquote register for what that'll do is it'll send you the email, it'll send you the link, it'll send you all of that so you're ready to go. Um, also on there, if you don't feel you want or need or you go through the conversation and you still have more you want to participate with, uh, going through that same website, you can gain access directly to the policy map where right now you can go and put notes on any part of the city that you think we did right, that you think we did wrong, or that you just have a different opinion on, um, or where you find an error. I mean, there's we still have places that, yeah. Oh, you know what? We've we've shown that and we've identified that as a park, but it's really just a really big piece of property that's a house, <laughs> and somewhere along the way, it got <laughs> no one registered it or whatever. Um, um, so there's an abundance of ways to participate in the process. And please follow uh, the planning design and development department for the city, that city of Charlotte planning design and development on Facebook. Uh, I believe they also have an Instagram page or also on Twitter. 
um, at CLT Planning, I believe is a Twitter handle. As chair of the Planning Commission, I would say I, even my email address is open to feedback about comp plan, about UDO, about policy mapping. Kiba.samuel at charlottenc.gov is the best email address. Um, I'll be glad to forward your comments on to uh, the policy mapping team or the UDO team or the planning staff. Again, that's kiba.samuel at charlottenc.gov. Great. Well, usually I end these by uh, asking what you would change if you could change anything. But I think I'm going to just guess that you would both get a lot more people involved in giving feedback right now. Uh, is, that a, is that a good guess? Absolutely. I would, I would say anybody who hears this, who understands the importance of this, needs to consider how over the next two weeks they can participate in this process and bring as many of their neighbors along to participate in this process. Um, it's, this is essential. This is essential that we participate at this level at this time as community members. I would agree. You hit the nail on the head with that one, Eli. I think um, just getting as many points of uh, engagement, pieces of feedback, um, and I believe the UDO team and policy mapping team will be at Biketoberfest tomorrow at Camp North End. Um, so there's some uh, community engagement uh, where you can interact with staff in person too, if you would prefer to provide your feedback that way. But yes, we want more people involved. We want to hear from, from as many uh, folks in Charlotte as we can. It will make our job easier on the planning commission if everybody is happier with what we have on these maps. <laughs> well, that's a good goal right there. Kiba Samuel and Phil Gusman, thank you so much for joining today. Thank, thank you, so Eli. Thanks for joining us on the Future Charlotte podcast, produced by me, Eli Portillo, at the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you like the show, please rate it, share it with your friends, and keep looking to the future, Charlotte.